The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> And welcome to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I'm your host, Tim, certified sex educator, your local chaotic homosexual. <laughs> and what is the difference between a urologist and a podiatrist? One is more impressed when you show him a foot. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, you like that one, right? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, one of my other favorite urology jokes is like when the patient asks for a second opinion and then the doctor goes, well, what's wrong with one finger? Because <laughs> he was going <laughs> to put in two. <laughs> you should have been a urologist. <laughs> I should have been. With the amount of uh, prostates I've touched in my life, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my lovely listeners, or as I am now dubbing you all my chlamydiates, <laughs> um, I would like to introduce you all to a very special guest, the one and only Dr. Paul Gittens on the show. Hello, Dr. Gittens. How are you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Uh, hello. What, what, what did you call the people on your show? The chla... Chlamydiates. Chlamydiates. Hello to all the chlamydiates out there. <laughs> it's, one, it's wonderful to be on the show and... Um, I've listened to a number of your podcasts, and you are fabulous. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Giddens. That means a lot because the show is very much off the rails sometimes. But when a medical professional comes in, I feel like I have to kind of get myself prim and proper. But you know what? The talking about sexual health is already very uncomfortable. So I think it's really important to like lighten the mood. Before we get started, can you please uh, talk to us a little bit about your work and what you do? Yeah, so I am a board-certified urologist. Uh, that means that I went to medical school, and then I did a residency in urology, residency of six years. During my residency, I um, was fascinated with male infertility and sexual function for men and women. Uh, and then from there, I did a fellowship, which is specialty training in in those fields, so sexual health for men, women, and then male infertility. After that, I, I went out and I ran a program, one of the medical schools in New York, and now I have my own practice uh, practices in Philadelphia, New York, and in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is right near the Poconos. Amazing. Uh, so I really want to make this conversation centered around penis health, because as someone who has an amazing penis and two other penises behind me, uh, this, this over here is I see, that. I see it. <laughs> I was going to comment <laughs> on that thing. <laughs> is that a they pillow are, or is that a, uh, what is they that? Are, yeah, they're stuffed <laughs> pillows. Body pillows are like body length. They're modeled after my size. So oh, one to one nice. ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a lot about like penis health and what 
exactly makes a healthy penis? What are some of the uh, signs that we look for in our in our penises that point us in like <laughs> point us in the right direction? Yeah, so I, I think that to talk about a healthy penis, we have to talk about an, un, an unhealthy penis, right? Because that's when that's when guys start to really notice things. Most men take when they're younger, we take advantage of our penis. We don't think about things. Things just they you get an erection when the wind blows or when you have a sexy thought and it goes up, and then it goes down and then it goes right back up again. That is probably when if you're when you're 18 years old and you're thinking about your penis, that's kind of what we think of as a healthy penis. It's a penis that is reactive. It's a penis that when you're having intercourse, it you have great initiation. So that's starting time, but also the maintenance. So when I talk about erections to my patients, I talk about initiation. I talk about maintenance. So maintenance is maintaining the erection through intercourse or masturbation or play or whatever you're doing. So it's satisfactory to you uh, as well as your partner or yourself. I wanted to go a little more in depth into some of the common concerns that my listeners have written in about. So for example, performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction. I have always been a proponent in saying nothing is wrong with you and your penis is going to do exactly what it needs to do. However, sometimes it it does cause a little bit of concern for our listeners. So my question to you is, what are some of the common causes of performance anxiety and loss of erection? So I would say the biggest cause of performance anxiety is a bad experience, right? And so it's a person that at some point either tried to have an erection and they were unsuccessful or maybe they, you know, maybe they got drunk and they tried to have an erection and they were unsuccessful or maybe their erection wasn't adequate for that partner. Maybe that partner may maybe have talked, maybe talked down to that person. And so when that happens, we get into this kind of fight or flight response, right? That means we make something called adrenaline. So what we, at least in my field, what we call kind of that anxiety is called, we call it adrenaline-mediated erectile dysfunction, right? So adrenaline is this chemical that your body makes when you're going to fight or you're going to run, right? And so what happens is when you have that bad experience, you make more adrenaline because you're anxious, and then your body thinks you're going to fight or you're running. It draws all this blood flow out of your penis And it shifts it to your arms and your legs because your body thinks you're going to run or fight, right? And so that's what we kind of call adrenaline-mediated erectile dysfunction. So the number one cause of that is a bad experience. So it is very much psychological as opposed to like biological, Yeah, so I don't, you know, I, I personally don't use the word psychological. I think it has a bad connotation. I think it, it, it kind of puts the onus on the person and that it's, it's kind of in the head where it's really, it is biological. Adrenaline is a chemical that you make, right? And so I don't really think of it as psychological. I think it's something that's happening because of a response that you've had for the most part. Right. And it's not really like, I guess the word I'm thinking about right now is abnormal. Like this is something that your body is just normally responding to. It's something, exactly. Yeah. So then how does one combat that when like they're in such a place where like oh my god i'm i I need to run or i need to fight 
How did they get back into their body to let the blood flow back to where it should be? So the best way I find is to create or have that person have great erections. Like we got to get you back on your feet. You got to get back on the horse, right? <laughs> right. And so we, you got to do that. And, and by doing that, uh, so some of the ways we do that is we first, first of all, if somebody comes into our office and they think they have more of adrenaline, media, erectile dysfunction, we still do a whole workup. We still want to make sure there's nothing else that's going on, right? Because there's other things in health that you had kind of mentioned, like if they have like hypertension, uh, blood pressure issues, any of these issues that can also cause erectile dysfunction. So we want to make sure that we divide that into either a medical problem, or we call it organic issues, or more of adrenaline mediated issues, right? So that's the first thing. Because someone may think they have more of an adrenaline mediated issue, but it's really a medical issue that we need to uncover. So when they come in, we, um, or I do, a full workup on everyone. It doesn't matter how old you are, 18 to 90 years old, you get the same workup, right? There's no bias. Just because in our field, you know, if a 30-year-old comes in with ED, then most people think it's more adrenaline mediated. But I've uncovered, you know, some serious medical problems in 30-year-olds and it wouldn't have been, you know, that we picked up. Like, for instance, if they have like a pituitary lesion of some sort that we picked up or low testosterone or one of these other things, that could lead to ED. So that's the first thing we do is we want to make sure that there's no medical um, illnesses that are uh, that are causing the, the erectile difficulties. Once you hone in on that, are you creating a very distinct plan that is very penis related or do you approach it from a more like overall uh, approach? After we uh, we get laboratory testing like hormones and we do nerve testing in the office to make sure it's not a neurological cause. We do an ultrasound of the penis to look at blood flow, right? So, you know, some guys can have an issue with not getting enough blood flow into the penis, where other guys may have an issue where the blood flow goes in and then it goes back out, right? That's called a venous leak. So we want to make sure we can characterize exactly what's going on with that person. From there, we tailor a program that's specific to that individual. But for um, all of our guys, we always talk about lifestyle changes, which is diet and exercise. That is across the board. We always talk about that. There's not a person in, in my office, including myself, that can't eat a little bit better, that can't maybe, that can exercise a little bit harder, right? And then from there, depending on what their hormones are, so say if there's a horm hormonal abnormality, then we're going to change that. We're going to fix that. If it's a blood flow issue, then we can enhance blood flow to the penis. So it just depends on where we would go um, on the, based on the workup that we find. So how does one say, for example, there is a very low amount of testosterone uh, or blood flow? Do you put them on like heart blood medication or like hormone replacement therapy? Yeah, so it, so it depends on their age, right? Um, I am a male infertility physician, so um, we do know that if we give a young man testosterone and they're interested in having a child, then uh, testosterone will, will essentially make them sterile, so they're not able to do that. So for those men that are interested in fertility, that are younger, um, they may not want to be on testosterone, then there's some alternatives that we place them on. Um, and then for some men that if they're not worried about their fertility and um, you know, we go through the risk and the benefits of testosterone therapy. And for them, that might be the right choice.
But there's tons of hormones that, you know, there's a lot of different hormones and stimulators that we can place on to enhance a person's hormones, like testosterone or growth hormone or what have you. Are there any specific causes to like low testosterone? So as you get older, we know that uh, testosterone decreases with age. So after about 40, 45, it goes down about 1% a year in general. So we do know that it's just a natural kind of history of man. Um, other things that incre- decrease testosterone are being overweight, right? Um, we know opioid use for opioids, that'll also decrease it. Sleep apnea causes decrease in and testosterone. Um, so as we get older, we make a protein. It's called sex hormone binding globulin, which is a protein that's made by the liver. So that'll bind some of the testosterone. So we're making less testosterone. So less testosterone is getting into the areas that we need it, like our brain to help with uh, libido and our penis to help with great erections. So um, yeah, there's a number of reasons why men have uh, low testosterone. And part of the workup is trying to figure out what's the cause and um, the other part is of treatment is trying to figure out what's the best treatment for that individual. Mm -hmm. So uh, Dr. Giddens, I am 30 years old uh, and I am diabetic. I have, I'm a little overweight. However, I am like working on that. I am also, I would consider myself very athletic. Like I'm, I'm into like gymnastic pole dancing, like up and down and, and like acrobat stuff. And I feel like this is the age where I should start worrying. And also, oh yeah, also I have sleep apnea, so I'm on a CPAP machine. So I feel like this is an age where I should start to concern myself more about my uh, penile health. However, I have an amazing sex life, actually. <laughs> uh, like, I have an erection that lasts for a couple hours, even after uh, coming one time. And then it'll, you know, stay hard. And then I get to have another orgasm. However, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous as to, like, you know, is that something I should be concerned about because it's like so long? Uh, and like you said, I have sleep apnea, overweight, and I'm diabetic. These are the things that kind of affect uh, penile health. Like, or am I just kind of being in my head right now? No, I think I think that uh, you're a lucky man, by the way, <laughs> and your partner is a lucky man. <laughs> Man, too. Thank you. <laughs> so we all want to be in your shoes. We all want to be in your shoes. But, you know, you did say a number of things that is are a bit concerning, right? And so the sleep apnea, we know that we, men with sleep apnea actually have lower rates of testosterone, probably higher rates of ED, diabetes for sure. So diabetes uh, can affect the vasculature of the penis. It can affect the nerves, Right. Um, it can also, we do know there's association with diabetes and uh, low testosterone. And what was the third that you mentioned? So sleep apnea. Um, like overweight. And a little bit overweight. We are, we're all overweight. <laughs> if we live on, the, we, we, you're in Toronto, you draw a straight line down. I'm like New York, Philadelphia, we're all overweight, you know, <laughs> but overweight, you know, being overweight does predispose you to a number of things. And so, you know, I would start to think about your sexual health. I, th- you know, for for you, we want to make sure that your heart is healthy, 
We want to make sure that overall, we want to watch your cholesterol. We want to watch your blood pressure because you have youth on your side. Uh, and so, you know, what happens is we all get a little bit older, you know? And so it's something that we should start um, kind of thinking about now, right? And so we should start to, if because if we lower your weight, then your diabetes or um, your, sorry, your, your uh, sleep apnea would get better, right? Your, your sugars would go down. You're going to feel better. You know, you're going to look better. It's nothing like looking in the mirror and saying, man, I look good. You know, Man, I just want to fuck myself. <laughs> that's right. And when you and when you say and when you and when you're looking better, then your penis is going to be better, right? Your partner's going to say, "Oh man, like your penis, you know, your penis is going to look bigger too, right? It's going to hang better because of that fat pad that's there. That's going to kind of draw back a little bit." So, you know, I see you have that pillow back there. It's one to one, and and so that, that the <laughs> penis, right? And so it's going to be twice as long after you lose a little weight. So it's so important that you do these things because, you know, I worry about, you know, I worry about you 10, 15 years down the line, right? Because we know that those things will catch up. And then we know that as your penis starts to decline, so as guys start getting erectile dysfunction, you know, that's the first thing that happens. And then after that, then we start worrying about heart events, right? So when you look at data, guys that have ED, and you look ahead several years, they're more likely to have a heart attack, right? And then they're more likely to have a stroke. So you see, so the penis is kind of this Lippmann's test. It's like the it's like the canary in the you know the coal mine type of thing, right? And so and so we want to make sure we're getting ahead of it. So if we're worried about your penile health, if you're if that's a bit because this is a it seems like this is a center of kind of uh, it's the center of almost every guy's you know existence, right? But if we want to maintain good sexual health, then we have to maintain good overall health, right? And so that's really what it's all about. We want to make sure. And then we should, so, you know, no guy wants to be in a situation where they're with their partner and they're not able to, uh, you know, to get an erection or to satisfy them. You know, there's no guy that wants that. Most guys don't want that, you know. And so we want to make sure we're thinking ahead. Yeah. Well, for the record, Dr. Giddens, I, my workup has been pretty good. My A1C is like basically out of diabetic levels. Hey. Uh, and um, let's see, what else did my doctor say? Oh, yeah. My sugar it stays steadily between four to seven millimoles. And uh, like my doctor is also putting me up for gastric bypass to kind of help with the, the weight loss. And uh, I'm wondering then, are are there any sort of like uh, concerns when it comes to men who have such drastic surgeries and life changing procedures, and in relation to their sexual health? So, uh, so you're asking like a, a person that might be overweight and then goes through gastric bypass, or yeah, like yeah, for so example, like liposuction even or gastric bypass, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's interesting. There was a pretty cool study that looked at testosterone levels in guys that uh, underwent gastric bypass. So testosterone, as uh, most guys know, it's made in the testicles, right? And then um, the testicles make testosterone. It goes throughout the body. And it binds to like receptors. And these receptors then bring testosterone into the brain, the penis, the muscles, all these other things. 
And so testosterone is obviously really important. So the, um, the study looked at testosterone levels before gastric bypass, and then they looked at testosterone, testosterone after gastric bypass. And as you, those guys lost weight, their testosterone levels actually went up. So that's a great thing. Um, and, there's, and there's other studies where they look at weight loss and testosterone, and um, testosterone goes up exponentially um, depending on how much weight you lose. So more than 10%, it goes up exponentially, not just like a one-to-one thing, but it kind of dives straight up. So, you know, so losing weight is great for testosterone levels. It's, it's good for sexual function. It's good for the penis. It's good for the heart. It's good for cholesterol. It's good for everything. Good for your joints. Good for everything. You know? Yeah. Right now, good for my back. Oh my God, Dr. Giddens. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just stretched my back right now. It like cracked in five different places. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to lose that weight and start to become a fuck machine. I mean, I already am right now, but you know, why not? Right. Why not more? Right. Now? You're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some may even say I have too much sex, <laughs> uh, which is actually uh, a, a point that some of my listeners have written in when too much is a thing. So what, what I mean by that is there are some of my listeners who are on the more well endowed side of uh, the spectrum. And they're wondering, is there really such a thing as too big? I think that it depends on your partner and, and what they think or might be too big. And you may say, listen, if, if your partner doesn't like it, then the answer may be just to find another one. I don't know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's always Period. In, in the <laughs> eyes of the beholder, right? That's where it is. So I don't think there's a thing of, of too big or too little. I think it always depends on like, you know, satisfying yourself or satisfying your partner. I think that's the, the most important thing. But, you know, obviously we're in an age where most guys aren't as well endowed as you are and, and those other people that are calling in. So they want to be a little bit bigger. Right. And so they want to enhance their um, their uh, their girth or their length. And so a lot of them resort to pumps or girth enhancement procedures and all these other things to kind of help to uh, kind of bring more health to their penis. I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like, uh, is there a way to naturally enhance the size of our penis? Yes and no. You know, there, you know, obviously there are things that we can do such as pumps. So for instance, like the exerciser, that's something that we talk about here. And the exerciser is a pump that's, that's used, we use it to kind of exercise the penis. You can use it to rehab the penis for erectile dysfunction, but you can also use it to start exercising the penis just for more health, more blood flow. That's one of the things that you can do. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, losing weight. So losing weight can also kind of aesthetically sort of make, look the, make the penis look uh, larger. So that's something else that you can do. You know, those are, those are, we use it in our office, we use Botox and other things like that to have the penis hang a little bit more. And it, that also helps with, uh, with function. That's, that's not, uh, you said more natural, that's more of medical. Um, another medical thing that we do, I use, I do a lot of girth enhancement with hyaluronic, hyaluronic acid fillers. We use that to help with girth. 
Wow. You must not have a wrinkly penis that has left your office. Everyone is always looking like firm. Looking, <laughs> looking great. Yeah. It's a Hollywood ready we penis. Have, we have some penis models. What are you talking about? We have guys, the cover of Men's Health and Vogue or something. You go, <laughs> the come patients come in. <laughs> your patients come in and then you have like a, like a portfolio of celebrity penises. And of then course. One, one guy goes, hey, I would like the Brad Pitt penis <laughs> or the Chris Evans one. <laughs> we do that too for the scrotum as well. So we do a lot of Botox for the scrotum for guys. Really? That, yeah. So for guys that turtle up or squinch up a little bit, uh, their scrotum. So we actually place Botox in there to allow it to kind of hang a little bit more. Mm. How many of your patients like come in for purely aesthetic purposes for their penis? I would say maybe like fifteen to twenty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, so not well, a what large. are the common what are the common uh, concerns that they come forward with? It's mostly girth enhancement, um, or it's more for scrotal relaxation of some sort. Those are the biggest. Uh, those are the biggest one for men uh, that I see. Um, so I do a lot of girth enhancement uh, for men just to increase girth and for the penis. And it, it's great. You know, guys come in, they're um, somewhat insecure about the size of their penis. And we're really able to help them. I love it. You know, it's it's something that you, you walk in uh, feeling one way and uh, you come back and you're just like a totally different person. I had a, I mean, it, it's, I get a little bit emotional about it. I had a guy um, about three months ago and, um, you know, he was, this guy was just so insecure about his penis. Like he's just in the locker room. He's like hiding in it. Like when, when he was with, uh, he, he was, when he was with his, uh, with women, he just turned off the lights, everything. And, um, so I did his procedure and I always have everybody come back after two weeks. I want to make sure I can see my work and everything. And he's in the office. And do you ever see that movie? Uh, there's this movie called smile and it's, it's a, it's a horror movie, right? And, the, yep. you know, in the horror movie, like the, you know, the whoever has this problem, like they're they're They just have this large smile on their face. So I walk in the office and this guy is like smiling, like in the movie smile. And I'm like, what is going on here? Is this guy going to kill me or something? You know, <laughs> and like my staff is looking at the guy and the guy is just smiling from ear to ear. And he's like, Doc, is something wrong with that guy? It's the guy that you, you, know, you did your girth enhancement on the other end. So anyway, I um I take him in the back and he just gives me like the biggest hug and he's like crying and he's like, oh my gosh, my life has changed. It was, it was the coolest thing. I mean, and I, I, I trust me, there's a lot of emotion that's always going on in my office, a lot of emotion for a number of different reasons, but this was just so cool, you know? And so we really got to, um, I mean, I, I, you know, change his life in some way. So it was, it was, uh, it was great. It was great. Yeah. He came in bipedal and he came out a tripod. <laughs> a tripod. <laughs> he, he hopped out. It's just, yeah. it wasn't a tripod. He, he just hopped out. Hopped out of, had to sling it over his shoulder. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. No, I, uh, let me tell you, I love my field. I love it. I mean, I just, it's, you know, I'm so fortunate you know, that I can do something that I truly love. 
Um, every day it's, it's, it's helping someone in some respect. It's not always a hundred percent in terms of all the things that we do, but you know, we're pretty successful in, in, in really helping our, our men and women. And it, it's nothing. It's just a great feeling. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Yes. What's up, all you sick fucking perverts? Don't you just love love? The Love Shop has everything you need to feel the love in the air or in between your legs, wherever you want, really. They've got everything from vibrators, lubes, laundry, and even full-sized sex dolls. <laughs> wow, I guess love really does come in all shapes and sizes. Visit loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and use code sexedwithtim at checkout for 15% off the whole store. And the best part is that they ship all over Canada, US, and what? Ireland? To all my whores in Dublin, top of the morning to ya. <laughs> That's loveshop.ca slash sexedwithtim and check out code sexedwithtim for 15% off the entire store. Now get to fucking. Do you like feeling sexy and looking sexy? Of course you do. Only my listeners are sexy as fuck. I have partnered with fetishwear designer Dale Kuda to bring you the hottest deals on custom jock straps, harnesses, hats, and more. Head over to dalekuda.com, that's D-A-L-E-K-U-D-A.com, and use code SEXEDWITHTIM at checkout for 25% off the entire store. Yeah, you heard me. 25% off. And cherry on top. Free shipping. Oh my god. I have a few of the stuff that he has made for me. And girl, I'm wearing it right now. I'm wearing like a little jock strap so that I could easily just like slip a little butt plug or dildo every now and then here and there. And I'm on the train. I'm just like, uh, 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 thank you, Dale. <laughs> That's dalecuda.com with the code sexedwithtim for 25% off your entire purchase with free shipping. With a deal like that, I swear I could come buckets, honey. <laughs> the show is about to begin. Yes. This question is on the back of my mind, though, because I've been talking about like big penises and stuff. So I'm I'm wondering, has a patient and feel free to like laugh or not, but has a patient ever come in and be like, "Hey, doc, this is too big." I need to get an ensmallment procedure. <laughs> I don't know what's the opposite of enlargement, ensmallment. <laughs> ensmallment. No, I, you know, I've never, I, I've never had that. I've never had that. Um, even though maybe some guy, <laughs> some of the guys maybe should ask, but yeah, um, no, I've never, never, never had that. I mean, most guys, you know, it's always a guy's dream to be bigger. Even the bigger guys want to be bigger. I find, you know, I, I just, I haven't had that, but um, I have to think of an answer now, just in case somebody walks in my door tomorrow <laughs> and they, and they hey, ask Doc, me I have for too much dick. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What am I going to say that? I got to think about this, but yeah, but fortunately, you know, what, in my practice, um, I see a lot of, you know, men and women and, and men we're talking about, uh, currently that have a lot of, uh, problems in the, in the bedroom. You know, it's mostly about, you know, erectile dysfunction, ejaculatory issues, either they're they're ejaculating too quickly or they're not ejaculating at all, or they have pain with ejaculation or they're having pelvic pain, you know, or they're having testicular pain, 
you know, these are the things that I see uh, most of the time in my office, kind of my bread and butter for, um, for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to actually touch on that point about ejaculating too quickly. So I come from a place where my kind of stance on ejaculation is what exactly is premature ejaculation for you because like who gets to gatekeep how much time you have to keep thrusting until ejaculation so what what is this sort of like standard for the right amount of time before you come or is that more of like a subjective point for each individual patient it is a subjective point where, you know, some guys may come in and it may be 10, 15 minutes and they think that they should be lasting like a half an hour, right? There is a standard definition, though. The standard definition, it, it, we, for the most part, depending on the society that you look the definition up on, it's about two minutes uh, if you really want to know a definition. But also in that definition is that the person that the penis belongs to, have to has to kind of have, they have to feel bad about it. Right. And so, you know, they have to they have to want to be able to stay a little bit longer. Right. So if the person ejaculates in 30 seconds and they don't care and it's okay with them, it's okay with their partner, that doesn't really meet the full definition of premature ejaculation. Right. There has to be a bother associated with it. But in general, when we're talking about premature ejaculation, you have the bother and it's about two minutes. So anything less than two minutes is kind of considered as premature ejaculation. But, you know, that differs. Like, you know, I had a guy the other day that came in and he had previously, his ejaculatory time was about 10 to 15 minutes. And now he went down to five minutes. So for him, he's like, this is premature ejaculation, right? Because uh, all my life I've been able to last this long and now it's cut short. And I'm really bothered by it or my partners is super bothered by it. And so, um, but it, in general, the definition's about two minutes. Honestly, sometimes I wish I could come quicker so he can leave my apartment. Like, <laughs> I have places to be. I, I got to get dinner. I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you have to start before he gets there then. Honestly, I got to like, you know, warm up the oven. You got to warm it <laughs> up. <laughs> so the, well, you know, what's that thing? It's like when you put hot water in a kettle so that it boils faster. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> so I, I think on the opposite end then is what then becomes too long. What's such a long wait time until you come? So that's another thing. It's bother. It's number one. But there is um, sort of a... F- formal definition, you know, and that's about 20 minutes. So 20 minutes. Yeah. So 20 minutes, anything above 20 minutes, we kind of meets that definition of prolonged or delayed. We call it delayed ejaculation. Um, But once again, right, if you have a guy that is normally ejaculating at five minutes, right, and now he's taking like 15 minutes and he's tired and his partner's like, come on, you got to get going, right? So for that person, that's delayed ejaculation. But definition, you know, they do like standard deviations from the time of ejaculation and it's about 20 minutes. Because mm-hmm. for me, I'm very all over the place. And I think it de- really depends on how much fun I'm having. So like sometimes there's 
like an incident where I came like after five minutes, but then there's another time with like literally last weekend where I was like an hour until it took me to come. So should I be concerned about an inconsistent ejaculation time? No, I mean, you're having fun. You know, you're not, and it's not called them bother, right? You're, you're enjoying yourself. You're enjoying your partner. I'm not saying that if you have sex more than 20 minutes, then you're delayed ejaculation. You got to have that bother, right? You got to like be huffing them. It's just can't be enjoyable. You really want to be able to climax and you can't get to that point. So that is a key component to sort of that definition of um, delayed ejaculation. So if you can go, if you want to go two hours, an hour, stop, sleep, go, get up, go again, you do it, you know, or go 30 seconds. It's, it's really up to you in terms of, you know, um, what, what you feel is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a lot of bother, but it's usually from the guy I'm with instead of like <laughs> the time that it takes for me to come. I'm like, come on, TikTok. I really have to get to work. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you made it on time tonight then. I know. <laughs> My busy schedule, always having sex. I'm having sex right now. <laughs> I know. You have to give us, you should say nine, whatever the time is, nine o'clock, but plus or minus uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> you were taking the DVD. From it. Uh, so the the next issue that my uh, listeners write in about is actually surprisingly fertility, and I say surprisingly because most of my listeners are gay men who have sex with other men. So fertility has become an issue for the people writing in, and I'm wondering: Are there any sort of red flags when it comes to fertility, and how does a how does someone with a penis like? get that checked how do we know that we're fertile and producing enough sperm cells yeah so one of the key kind of factors or kind of kind of the hints that i get is when a person comes in and they're you know they're with a partner or what have you and they've been having some trouble having kids and i ask them if you have a history of unprotected intercourse and they say yeah i never use protection and do you climax or you have ejaculate in your partner yeah all the time have you ever had a child or a pregnancy? And they say, no, that's kind of one of the red flags that I listen to because, you know, if somebody's always ejaculating the partner, you know, throughout their life and they've never had a pregnancy, then that's, that's kind of a red flag, right? Obviously, if you've been trying with the same partner for, we say six months to a year, you know, the old definition was about a year, but now we've kind of cut that short just because, Patients are older when they're trying to have children now, so we kind of cut that down a little bit. And so if you've been trying timed intercourse and are are not successful, then it's time to get a workup. And in that workup, what we do is I do a physical exam because there's a number of reasons why guys have fertility issues. There's there's physical things. So that's why I got to do a testicular exam. I got to look at the volume of their testicle. I feel for all the parts that's in their scrotum. We do hormonal testing because if your hormones aren't uh, in tune, then you're going to have some problems with fertility, right? So we do a whole hormonal workup. Uh, We may do genetic testing and we do a semen analysis. So a semen analysis tells us a lot, right? It tells us uh, how much volume is coming out. It tells us the number of sperm you have. It tells us the motility. So are the sperm moving? Are they not moving? It also gives us the shape of sperm. So we want our, our sperm to have a, a normal size head, neck, and tail. 
and it kind of looks like a tadpole. Some sperm have like two tails, two heads, all these other things. So the morphology has to be kind of up to standard. So those are all the things we, we look for when, um, when I'm looking um, at a guy that's, you know, that's interested in fertility and they haven't been successful. Mm-hmm. How does one then go about uh, fixing infertility? Complicated question. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a thousand reasons, but um, if it's hormonal, we try to fix the hormones, you know, and um, and testosterone has a lot to do with that. Obviously, we don't want to we don't want to give testosterone because testosterone will lower sperm count. So there are some medications that we give to naturally boost testosterone levels. One of the more common physical causes is something called a varicocele. So it's kind of like varicose veins that people have in their legs, but in their scrotum. So that's surgically corrected. Sometimes guys don't have a, um, a vas deferens. The vas deferens is something that we cut in the, during a vasectomy. It's a tube that connects the testicles to kind of the prostate. And then from the prostate, the semen goes to the outside world. So for guys that uh, maybe have a genetic condition or are born without them, then I have to go into their testicle and harvest sperm. And then we give it to IVF, uh, give it to the IVF team. And then they can have a child that way. Um, and so it depends on the reason. But I would say, you know, most uh, conditions can be treated. There are, there are few conditions that can't be, unfortunately, can't be treated, unfortunately, if there's some genetic abnormalities or if the stem cells of the sperm never made it to the testicles. And that's a problem as well. Uh, but in general, I would say that most couples probably can have a child. You know, if they go through uh, a full workup and if they're at a point where they can use IVF and IVF is expensive and it's not, a you know, depending on the country, you know, depending on insurance and all these other things. But um, I would say that most couples can't have a child outside of genetic abnormalities for, um, for most of the conditions. But that's just the male side. Don't forget there's a there's a, you know, if. Right. There's the female side as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does the prostate play a role into our fertility in any way? So you need your prostate um, because that's one of the areas where sperm travel through. Right. And that's where we're making most of our fluid um, for semen is coming from the prostate. And then there's a gland on the other side of the prostate. It's called the seminal vesicles. Right. And so those two are those two organs are making the most of the volume that's coming out and the prostate and the seminal vesicles also produce like food for the sperm in so many ways, right? Fructose and all these other things that allow the sperm to survive in the, in the, and in, in we, and it's funny cause I tell the, all my patients that when the sperm go into the vagina, it's like this battle, right? Because the, there's a lot of organisms in the vagina and it's like this battle between the sperm and like the pH of the vagina and all these other things. But the the prostate and the seminal vesicles kind of help to protect the sperm until they get to where they're supposed to be in the fallopian tubes and then fertilization could occur. I mean, getting pregnant enough, like alone, I feel like the process is already quite the miracle because that sperm cell has to travel, I don't know, like the equivalent of here to Pluto or something just Absolutely. to get to the egg. Like that's It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's an it's an amazing process. So many things can go wrong. So many things can go wrong. And the timing's got to be perfect, right? There's, you know, you got like three to maybe four or five days, not even five, it's probably three to four days out of the month where you can really get pregnant. So it's, um, it's, it is, a, it's a miracle. It's cool. But, you know, there's a number of patients that suffer from fertility 
you know, in about every population, it's probably about 10 to maybe like 10 to 15% of a general population will have fertility issues. Right. So, and, and 50% we say is, is on the male side and about the other 50% is on the female side in general. I mean, there's, uh, and obviously there's combined issues and things like that. What about uh, people who have had their prostate removed? Is that something that they should concern about with regards to fertility and sexual performance? Or like, uh, is this just something that I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life because I don't have a prostate anymore? So if your prostate has been removed, then um, you will not be able to have a child naturally, right? Because the essentially it's like you're having a vasectomy right because the sperm they don't have another place to go right and then when we remove the prostate we actually have to cut the prostate out and we actually cut the seminal vesicles as well i'm sorry the vas deferens as well so all that comes out with it so um, i do have i do have patients that have had a prostatectomy and they're interested in fertility and so what we do in those situations is we go directly into the testicle and then I'll, um, I'll be able to remove sperm from the testicle and then we use it for IVF. So that's one of the downfalls of having a prostatectomy is the fertility. Fortunately, most guys that have had their prostatectomy, not all, but most guys uh, are a little bit older. Um, they're usually in their 50s or 60s. And so those men, um, most of them have already had uh, children, but obviously um, that's not in every situation. Other things um, that occur after prostate cancer treatment, if it's uh, removing the prostate or if it's radiation, is erectile dysfunction. So that's not uncommon. So erectile um, dysfunction is uh, extremely um, common after, um, after uh, you know, prostate cancer therapy, if it's radiation or if it's removing the prostate. Mm-hmm. Do I have to worry about not getting an orgasm anymore when I get my prostate removed? So you won't see the fluid. So it's kind of having an orgasm without the mess, sort of. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's actually so helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Leave the place without a trace. (laughs) Without a trace. But um, so you you will have an orgasm. So the orgasm, the ejaculation is totally different, right? So the ejaculation is kind of that fluid that's coming out where the orgasm is that sense of euphoria, that sense of excitement. Um, that's where your heart starts racing and that's where you start feeling great and, and maybe having some connection with your partner. So that could be um, the same. So guys that have had their prostate removed, some guys will say that the orgasm is better after they've had, um, this is not a reason to get your prostate removed guys. And some guys will, some, but some guys have pain with orgasm um, or the, the feeling will be the same. So it varies. Um, but I would say for the most part, it's on the side of staying the same or a little bit better. I could like advertise a prostatectomy to my listeners and be like, if you're ever planning on having an affair, <laughs> you don't have to leave no. anything behind. <laughs> don't you? <laughs> there's a lot of other things that go along with that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. There's a lot of other that. things. Yeah. <laughs> no prostatectomy for better orgasms or if you're going to have a fear for the record I'm putting it out there <laughs> yes the views of Dr. Giddens do not reflect the views of sex ed with Tim that's right I'm going to have to put a disclaimer on there I'm, I'm have to, like, <laughs> like I said hey I go off the rails here I let my listeners do whatever I love it is that it. they want I love that's it. Why. it it's great you should I mean that's you know um you know, that's what people don't want to be so serious about sex all the time. You know, it's fun. It's it's like it should be relaxing. You know, it's 
we, I mean, I don't know. You said in Canada how you guys are a little more open. In the United States, we have this, uh, this weird culture where we, you know, sex is all over TV. It's everywhere. It's on ads, but nobody really talks about it. You know, nobody talks about sex or sexual dysfunction. It's, uh, it's, it's a weird culture we have here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you horny or are you not horny? Let's get one thing clear here. Uh, so, uh, like I said before, my audience is mainly gay men. And what I have found within the gay culture is the use of steroids and anabolic steroids and working out. And I personally have never used it. So I'm not really comfortable answering the questions from my listeners about steroid use. So I'm, I'm wondering, Dr. Giddens, how does steroid use affect penile health? Like, is it true that your penis can actually start to look smaller after overuse of steroids? Or uh, do I not feel as horny anymore when I'm on steroids a lot? So, um, so steroids, most um, guys will can kind of consider, and I'm, this is, I think this is what you're talking about, more testosterone and steroids. There's a, there's a number of types of steroids. There's there's anabolics to help like muscle building and all these other things. But most guys are on testosterone. And to answer your question, it really depends on uh, the person in terms of if they really need the testosterone or not, right? So, you know, the way I describe testosterone and the need for testosterone and how much testosterone you need and all these other things is I think of um, I think of like the person as kind of like a plant, right? And I think of testosterone as like water, right? And I think about um, if 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 you are like a withering plant and you pour water on the plant, then your flowers are going to blossom, right? So that's giving you testosterone and that's kind of allowing you to kind of feel better because your testosterone is low. But if you continue to pour water on that plant, right, what's going to happen is you're going to get all this water on the floor and you're going to get all these side effects, Right. So if you need testosterone, I think it's a good thing. But if you're taking too much testosterone, then we need to worry about side effects. It's kind of the summary of what I just said. So for guys that, that start off with low testosterone and, and uh, they're taking testosterone, they'll, they'll feel a better uh, libido. They may feel better energy. They may have better erections. They may have just better well-being. They may sleep better. There's, they may lose weight faster. All these great things. But if your testosterone is already really high, right? It's not really going to do much for you. You may get a, you may gain a little muscle mass, right? But your libido may not go any higher. Your penis may not be, uh, be more functional, right? You may not sleep better, but you may have some side effects. Um, we do know, like one of the one of the biggest side effects, or one of the more common side effects, I should say, of testosterone is increasing your hemoglobin. You increase your hemoglobin, you're at a higher rate of having blood clots and strokes and all these other things. So we want to make sure that if you are taking testosterone, that you're being monitored, right? Do you think then the cons of using anabolic steroids outweigh the pros? No, I think it depends on the person. I think it depends on if you need it or not. You know, there are, as you know, as guys grow older, their testosterone levels decline. Uh, and as they decline, you know, I'm a proponent of, you know, do you want to grow gracefully or not? You know, I, I'm going to fight it every Every inch of the way, right? And so if your testosterone is going down, if you have a low testosterone and you're symptomatically, so the key is symptomatically, if you're if you have symptoms of low testosterone, then I think you should be treated. Um, I think that, you know, if your listeners are kind of doing it on their own, I think I wish they would be under the supervision of a physician. 
that deals with testosterone and, and knows the proper levels and knows what to look for for side effects and all these things. But I think testosterone is uh, a medication that if used properly, I think it's a great, good adjuvant to growing older. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, I love to see a man like age gracefully. And th- that is like a, a fear within the gay community when they kind of age out of hotness, like that's a thing. But like, you know, I, I'm a proponent for doing whatever it is that makes you feel good. And I think uh, Dr. Giddens, you would agree too that like, uh, if your sexual health is really t- and your the, the way your penis looks is directly tied to your like, your overall feeling of happiness why not (laughs) yeah i'm not not your testicles will get smaller though so that's the thing so your test so so some guys when they see their testicles get smaller then they may kind of look at their penis as it might be a little smaller as it might kind of because it doesn't it's not as full right so when you have a full testicle your kind of penis kind of pops out a little bit you know where uh i do get a complaint that the complaints that when they're uh, they're on testosterone, their testicles will get smaller. But there's ways to combat that as well. There's hormones you can do to counter the effect of the testosterone, so they won't they won't atrophy. Yeah, uh, I mean, it'd be really funny to see a dick with like two very small testicles. It's kind of like Gonzo <laughs> from the Muppets. Like, <laughs> oh boy, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, my. My uh, last point here, uh, Dr. Giddens, is uh, you said that as we age and our body starts changing, what are some of the ways that we can stay healthy with our penis? So, like, for example, you know, I still want to be as sexually active as I am in my 60s, like I'm in my 20s. Like, you know, as a senior citizen, I still want to keep fucking as if I was just hitting puberty, Right. How do we keep up that sex drive? Our testosterone levels are in check. Uh, what are what are some good, healthy ways to keep our penis healthy throughout our lifetime? Diet, exercise, number one. Number two, uh, those are two big things. Um, trying to uh, reduce our weight. Another thing, um, you know, other things we do are, uh, you know, in my practice, we exercise the penis. So, we use the exerciser. We kind of talked about that, which is a pump that we use. Uh, and that pump can help to kind of keep some of the fullness in the penis, can increase blood flow. You know, as we get older, what happens is uh, guys start um, losing those morning erections and those nighttime erections. And then that's kind of the first sign to erectile dysfunction because we get decreased in oxygen to the tissue. So I really like pumps for that reason. That's one of the things we like to do. Um, what else do we do for the erections? Uh, you know, those are. I always ones. recommend masturbating on a regular basis. You know, just to I keep do, everything in check. I do, but I don't. You know, I don't think that. Um, you know, if you're watching, I think you know. I've seen so many problems with guys that are masturbating with porn. That um, I think that there is a little. Too, it can be too much. You know, and it when it's porn, it's it's like the dopamine goes really high, and then you see one guy on another guy, and then you need two guys on a guy, and you need to put it in. You know, you got to be swinging from a chandelier, and it, it layers and layers and layers, and it becomes a problem uh, where when they're with their partner, there's like all these unrealistic expectations, kind of uh, like that person should be doing this, and that can actually hurt a sexual function. 
So I do, you know, nothing wrong with masturbation. You know, I think masturbation is good for the penis, but I think how you're masturbating can be an issue. Uh, I think what you're watching while you're masturbating could be an issue as well. Mm -hmm. So basically making sure I'm eating right, making sure I'm uh, running or working out right and making sure I'm like not overdoing it. I'm jacking off just everything in moderation, <laughs> anything in moderation. And, and as we mentioned before, those health problems are, you know, lowering your blood sugar, making sure our cholesterol is OK. It's really about lifestyle changes. And, you know, the better the better you are with that, the better your penis is really going to be. Ooh, you've heard it here from Dr. Gittens, like the better you are at taking care of yourself, the better you are at fucking, essentially. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I should put that on. I should I should put that on my website or on the billboard. <laughs> uh, you can take all the royalties. <laughs> <laughs> the better you are at taking care of yourself, the better you'll be at fucking. Uh, well, Dr. Gittens, it has been an absolute pleasure having you here on the show. Is there anything that you would like the audience to find before we sign off? My website is rockwellcenters.com. Uh, you can see me on Instagram at Dr. Gittens. Uh, TikTok, kind of, I'm working on that at Dr. Gittens. And we're in Philadelphia, New York, and also in upstate Pennsylvania. Soon to be in Toronto. No, I'm joking. Yay! <laughs> we're going to oh open a practice there, too. <laughs> Dr. Giddens, you're going to be rolling in dough if you open your <laughs> practice here in Toronto. We have a hustling, bustling gay community who are just ready to elongate their penises and like just enrich their sex life. We're, when I tell you we're horny, we're horny. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, it's funny you said that I get a, I actually get a, a fair number of patients from, uh, from your area. So it's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you're absolutely it's right. cold here. There's nothing to do, but fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to all my dear chlamydiates that made it this far into this chaotic conversation. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the sex ed with Tim podcast, and we will see you at the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at Sex Ed with Tim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! <laughs>